Welcome to the Badass Writers Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Fox. Today, I'm going to talk a little bit about the importance of pursuing your passion. What is it in each of us that makes us decide to write, to persevere, to gobble up every bit of information we can to learn, to grow, and pursue our publishing goals? What makes us stick with it? And what happens when life gets in the way? So when I was a teenager, I used to write and write and write. I would hole up in my bedroom and spend days at a time and write mostly novel-length stories and a little bit of poetry here and there. Whatever I was going through at the time made me think it was a better idea to burn my stories than to keep them. I shudder at this now. I never let anyone read them. But I do think about them from time to time. Some of those stories still stick with me. When I was a little bit older, most adults in my life were pushing me to get into something stable. I'm using air quotes there. But my mom suggested I get into something like photojournalism since she knew how much I loved writing and loved photography. I, however, listened to neither of my parents and went for something completely different, of course. But in the end, I still thought a lot about writing and the what if. What if I had taken that path instead? I tried picking up the pen a few times in my 20s, but never got very far because something else always took the front seat. And when I started having kids in my late 20s, it became impossible. I was essentially raising them all on my own, plus keeping up the house and doing all the bills and doing all the activities and the this and the that. I didn't have the support I needed to focus on my dreams. Nevertheless, it didn't stop me from trying to get back into it from time to time. Fast forward some years later, and COVID happened. Like many other writers now, I used the opportunity to dive back into writing, soaking up everything I could about it. I had the time to dedicate to it, and I think it would be a sin if I didn't take it. So even though I didn't go to school for creative writing, I didn't go and get an MFA, I didn't start writing and publishing novels in my early 20s, I'm still pursuing my dreams. Because I'm at a point in my life where I can look back at all the times I set it aside, where I didn't have the support I needed, where I felt guilty for taking the time to do something that was important for me, where I got in shit for taking the time for me and doing something that was seen as unworthy or dumb. And I'm saying, screw that. It is important. I am important. And my dreams matter too. And honestly, aside from raising my children, I have never put so much effort and dedication and so much of me into anything before. And it's hard not to look back and wish I'd done things a little bit differently. But then I try to remind myself that whatever I did before, whatever path I chose to get here, led me to where I am now. So writing, editing, doing all the things I do, this podcast, starting a freelance editing business, running a huge Twitter pitch contest. I'm also now sitting on the board of directors for Crime Writers of Canada as the international rep. And I'm surrounded by thousands of writers just like me every day. And I absolutely love that. Like never in my wildest dreams did I ever think I would be where I am now. It definitely hasn't been an easy road getting to do this writer thing and now all the other things that have blossomed from it. But one of the most important things is something I talk about often here, that sense of community, of knowing I'm not alone, you're not alone, 
and there are so many other writers out there just like me. We all have our struggles, our challenges, our good days and our not-so-good days, but we come together with this beautiful, common love and passion for writing, and just knowing that is an inspiration. And I see it every day on Twitter. I see it in your answers for my daily writing questions. I see the camaraderie. I see little bits of who you are, who your characters are, and we're all sort of coming together, sharing ideas, sharing things that we're proud of. And it's amazing. I love it. So as we'll hear with today's guest, being a mom writer comes with its own special challenges. Being a parent who writes is challenging. Being a single parent of five most definitely has its challenges. Ask me how I know. I'm also at the point where there's not a chance in hell I'm going to give up on my dreams. I've said so many times that perseverance is key to success in writing and publishing. Having a community to help lift us up along the way is also key. So finding time as a parent to write will, of course, depend on your parenting situation. But the important thing is to find the time to do it and stick with it. Block it off and use every one of those minutes to dedicate to your writing so you can reach your goals. Step by step, day by day, you'll make progress. If you have to adjust your schedule to get up early or to go to bed a little later or reprioritize the TV shows in your life or use nap times or lunch breaks to multitask, find something that works for you and protect that writing time. It's so precious. Something you'll hear on an episode of The Shit No One Tells You About Writing that Cece says is to treat your writing time like appointments with your characters. Your characters should be thought of as real people. And you dedicate time and love and attention to the people in your life. Your characters deserve that too. And that resonated with me so much. And it was the final push I needed to start blocking color-coded times into my daily calendar so that I can be more productive and focused and dedicate times every day for my writing. And it feels so great to get back into being so organized and give myself the writing time that I've been missing. So if you don't do it already, I encourage you to do that. You'll thank yourself for blocking writing time in your calendar, and your characters will thank you too. So the reason I'm sharing all this with you today is because I just want to let others know who are out there, who might be in the same position, who might be questioning their ability to do this writing thing, this super hard to get into publishing thing. I know there's a lot of you out there. I know there's a ton of you that wonder, how am I going to do this? How am I going to fit writing time in with the kids, with the, the household chores, with my job? How am I going to do it? And I just want to let you know that you're not alone. There's many, many other people out there who are in the same boat, who are also struggling to find that time, who are also struggling to learn everything and to focus and to protect that writing time. And it is challenging. It's definitely challenging. It's not easy. But I think that if it's something that you really, really, really want you just have to keep going. You have to persevere. You have to be diligent. You have to multitask if you need to. You have to, you, you just have to dedicate yourself to reaching that goal. And 
being a part of the writing community can help with that. Surrounding yourself with other writers who are just like you, who may not be like you, but who have been down that challenging path. It's not easy for any of us. We all have different challenges that go along with it. But we can learn from each other and we can support each other. And that, I think, is one of the most important takeaways from today's episode. So today's guest is Jackie Amston, a mom, a writer, and a podcaster in British Columbia. Jackie first drew inspiration for her novel from her teen years, self-published her first book, The Tokyo Cover Girls, and is now working on a new project. She began her podcast, These Moms Write, when she realized there are so many other mom writers out there that she can connect with, share with, and learn from. One of Jackie's goals is to celebrate and recognize the unique challenges that mom writers face. Hello, Hello. Jackie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thanks so much for coming on and joining me today and chatting. Yeah, I'm excited. So if you are ready to go, I can start with questions. Sure. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. So first of all, can you tell us a little bit about how you became a writer? Yes. How did I become a writer? I did always write. I think, you know, all of us writers were always writers. You know, during you know university, writing for your newspaper, um, writing for the local paper, but I didn't really think of myself as a writer until I decided that I had a story that I wanted to tell that was a novel. Which I feel like you know when you when you decide to write a novel, that then you identify it as a writer. Uh, although, you know, of course we all write. And I think as writers, we always are expressing ourselves that way. And I just realized, you know, I was working in uh, the nonprofit world. So I decided, yeah, I want to I wanna write this out. Um, and my novel was based on my own experience as um, you know, being a model in Japan. I just got to a point in my life, you know, I was doing nonprofit work was I just really want to write a book. And that mm-hmm. I think a lot of us come to that realization, like, oh, I want to do this project. I'm really excited. And so I um, wanted to write about that experience because I felt like it was, you know, just not really talked about a lot in YA. I, was, I read up a lot of books, um, you know, the modeling industry. There are a number of books that you know take place. Uh, in that industry not a ton a few and and generally they're set in New York and so um, I wanted to write about the Japanese modeling industry and actually originally wrote it as a memoir and I had an agent at the time okay yeah I was going to ask you about that is it more a memoir than fiction or the other way around or well it started as a memoir and then my agent took it to I think it was Penguin and they're like no teenagers don't read memoirs <laughs> unless you're um Miley Cyrus so yeah then I fictionalized it because at one point an agent I'd send it to had said you should write this as a as a novel and so so yes there's autobiographical parts in it but it, mm-hmm. it I did change it a lot because the you know the storyline took it 
to places that I had never experienced. But I did want to get across like the fundamental message about the Japanese fashion industry was still at the core and um, was what I was trying to get across in my memoir. And so that piece was central to also the fictionalized book. Mm-hmm. Can you give us a little bit of a premise of the book? Sure, yeah. So the book is about, it follows three protagonists, so the rotating storyline. I was reading a lot of Pretty Little Liars at the time, so I really <laughs> strongly uh, was influenced by that writing style. So it follows three different characters, uh, all from you know, United States and Canada, so international models, and they go to Tokyo and wind up in a mystery challenge with increasingly raising stakes that you know takes them to like life or death situation, uh, which is uh, you know definitely not what I had to face. But oh, that's good. Fun. <laughs> but the, the you know the. The dimensions of the fashion of the Tokyo fashion industry are are very much based on you know real life, and so that's that was fun. Mm-hmm. That part was was fun because I just really wanted to share like what it's like to 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 work in that world because it is very different. You know, mm-hmm. coming from Canada as a young person to Japan, like the the definition of beauty was so different. And I guess that's what I really try to get across. Like over when I was here in Canada, I was, you know, I want to be like, um, you know, like Jennifer from, you know, Beverly Hills 902. Like you want to be, yeah, uh, you know, beautiful and sexy and provocative and powerful. And then going to Japan, that was really all about being cute and uh, vulnerable and childlike. You know, we weren't allowed to, um, have tans or any muscles all of that was very frowned upon and so it's such a different um sort of infantilizing definition of beauty and so uh that's what the the story is sort of a a play on that with the very real dark underbelly which also is very present in the japanese fashion industries there is a dark side to that really cute kawaii how long were you there for? That's really interesting. So I, uh, so like the way the contracts would work, so you would have a two month contract with an agency mm-hmm. and then you'd be sent home after that. So you, um, so I had a few contracts in like Osaka and, and Tokyo and Taiwan also and Hong Kong. So you kind of move around. So you're not like, it, like all together in, in, in the industry for about four years, but like, oh, okay. Your um the the trips abroad like they they seemed it doesn't sound like a long time now when I think about it, two months mm-hmm. but uh, it did always felt like quite a long time then yeah yeah so really only you know three or four years of the actual um, yeah. industry before I quit wow that's a, that's a really interesting experience to draw on for a novel yeah it was fun so that was published in 2016. And how did the publishing process go for you for that? Yeah, that was, I think, the hardest part. So going in, mm-hmm. and I really compare myself, like my mindset to the modeling industry. You know, when, when you're a teenager, to get to become a model, you have to get an agent, right? It's very, there's so many parallels. And not everyone can get an agent because they're looking for a specific thing, right? And when you are 
when you have an agent and you're sent off to these places, like, you know, I talk about it casually now, but of course at the time I was completely thrilled and felt super special and like better than my peers. And like, that was like my identity, right? Like I was a fashion model and um, that made me feel really special. Um, so of course, when I approached writing and uh, the publishing industry, I, that's, that was my frame of reference. I was going to get an agent. I was going to um, be that's a special writer now. And um, so I spent all this time like perfecting this book, which is very much how I approached modeling. Like when I first went to see an agent in Vancouver, they said, um, no, you just need to grow three inches and lose 20 pounds. And I was like, okay, did it do it? Like I obviously couldn't will myself to grow, but I did somehow manage to grow. And then I went on a diet and lost weight and, you know, obsessed about eating for the next like five, you know, six years of my life, which eventually is why I stopped doing it. But um, so my writing approach was the same. I was going to like write the best book and no one was going to had ever written about this before. So it was going to be so special. It's going to be awesome. And I've spent all this time focusing on perfecting that manuscript and then, you know, sending it out. And then, you know, lo and behold, of course, no one was, you know, biting. And I think I had like this unrealistic expectation that it would just get taken right away. And, and I think I also had this like perception that you have to write something new. And if you write something new, then it's going to get picked up right away. And it didn't, and it didn't seem that much interest in it. And so I decided, in fact, I went to a writer's few writers conferences and like I thought oh no you know what I I know the problem is is I need to like pitch it to agents in real life Mm -hmm. then right and so I did that and um, they're like yeah yeah that's cool Uh, we like it Um, send me more and again it didn't get picked up and so that was really disappointing to me in fact I had this one experience this at the Surrey Writers Festival and it's Mm -hmm. uh, a workshop and it's called the Surrey Writers Idol, I think it is. So you drop some pages into a bucket and then they have a panel of authors and agents on stage. And the premise is that the authors will randomly pick pages and read them out loud. And then the agents will like, they can press like this button and like X you off the stage, right? Okay. And if you get, if they get through like the first page, um then the agents will be like all right who wrote it cool like we like it here's your card but if they if you get x before they get through the first page then you're just humiliated so i <laughs> dropped my page <laughs> dropped my pages into that bucket and i was my first time at a conference and i remember sitting next to this lady and she was like oh i never get my pages picked Blah. Uh, and so I thought, okay, well, it's not probably not going to happen. Like it's a big, it's a big box. I think it was. And of course mm-hmm. my pages get picked and, and there's this author, Jack White, he was a Scottish Canadian author and he uh, writes like Arthurian retellings, like very high, I would call it high level literary fiction from what, compared to what I was writing. And just, I don't know, there's something about like, so disjointed about like his like Scottish accent reading my YA about models <laughs> that was sort of surreal 
and I had described my character's lips as uh, was as having Angelina Jolie lips in this particular passage. And um, when it got to that part, everyone was like, eh. Oh. <laughs> Which is funny because I kind of think of it now, like I wouldn't add a celebrity reference in my writing because it does kind of date it, you know? Yeah. But, you know, I was still pretty early on the process. So that was kind of embarrassing, like very embarrassing to get booed off the stage. And then, of course, the literary agents uh, who seemed a little bit interested, but then ultimately, you know, uh, passed. So after all of that, and again, thinking that I had this, you know, story that needed to be told, then I decided, okay, I will just self-publish it. But I really didn't know what I was doing and so um, I did some marketing things, but you know, when you are like, I, I understand now that self publishing and marketing is like a long-term process and that you start at the beginning, you don't spend all your time writing your novel and then turn around and be like, okay, who wants to be my friend now? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You need to build up that community. You need to build up those relationships from the start right. uh, in parallel. And so for me, because I was, in that mindset of that the the industry will endorse me because that had worked when I was a model, right? Like the industry mm -hmm. did endorse me. I didn't need to go and, and knock down the doors of clients to get bookings. I just, you know, they sent us to castings and we just showed up and mm -hmm. we got booking. So when I, um, I had that, that same framework, like that same expectation in my mind. And so really when I decided to go on my own and just self-publish, like I didn't know what I was doing and I hadn't set myself up for success. So I, you know, it just didn't, I didn't see any sales. Like I did a few things, but nothing that was um, really like the, the impact that I hoped it would be in. And so I just, um, I stopped writing after that. It was, I was like, you know what? I kind of poured myself into this. And, and like I said, I think because I felt like that was the only thing that I had to say because of this, this mindset that I had too, where like, you have to write something new, has to be something new. But I thought, well, that's the really only, only thing that's new that I had. Mm -hmm. And so I guess I'll just stop writing. So I stopped writing for a long time, five, five years. Oh, man. And so, but now you're at a point where you're working on something new. Yeah. It, and it was, I had to get out of that shift of, I have to say something that has never been said before. I had to give right. myself permission. Yeah. And, and this is what I think is important for all like writers and moms like that. You don't have to say something new. You can say something that is true for you. I don't need to be special. I don't need to be the only one writing about the Tokyo fashion industry. I can write about something that's already been written about, but I'm going to say it in a way that is unique to me because I'm the only me. Right. Exactly. So, and I think that was the, yeah, the big permission that I had to give myself. So yeah, now I'm just writing about, you know, my life now basically it's it's a mm -hmm. it's a mom com about a you know 40 something mom who's like having to who's looking for her purpose mm -hmm. and um has to pretend to be an ex-con to get a job oh okay a mom com i love that <laughs> yeah it's I didn't even know this was a thing i just uh learned about that listening to another podcast last week but it makes sense. 
Yeah. Um, right. I think that those of us that are, are, I think this, there's a lot of focus on the experience now, which is new. I think of like the 40 year old women and I feel like there's a lot of like, it's, it's, it's a, it's a time of change for that. Yeah. You know, we don't have to just read about, you know, 16 year olds, which is cool. I always love those stories too, but you know, let's read about 40 year olds too, because yeah. um, there's stuff a lot going, going on. on there. Yeah. Got a lot going on too, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Definitely. And that's yeah. the thing. The ones that are moms, we, we all kind of have the same thing, right? That same root in, in being a mom but we all have different stories to tell about being a mom and about what it means to live in your forties, being a mom, doing all these other things, you know, it's, it's never going to get boring because everybody's got something to say about it and it's going to be completely different than the next person. Yeah. And I think maybe before when I was like in my, probably as a teenager, I would have thought when you're 40, it's stable, right? Like there's nothing to, to read about. Nothing to write about because it's stability. But yeah. you know that I'm in that stage. I'm like, oh no, it's not stable. <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> it is like, anything but stable. <laughs> it is anything but stable. You know, and yeah. so many moms, I think, are are trying to reinvent themselves. When you get to your 40s, you realize, like, oh, actually, I have been doing a lot of things that I just realized now. I don't want to do those anymore. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I want to make some really hard decisions. I don't want to put up with crap that I've put up with for the last. 20 years because I thought it was taking me somewhere because you're like, Oh wait, I think I'm here. And nope, yeah. it wasn't worth it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of, you know, the same thing. Once you get to that point, you realize that oh, it's a lot different than you thought it was going to be <laughs> for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like I had this idea in my mind for so long that I just really wanted a townhouse. Like that's going to make me happy. You know, I live in Vancouver, so housing is definitely an issue, expensive. Yeah. And I think the problem with that is that it really, like, as a city, we are very obsessed with real estate. And so I was trapped with by that, that, you know, the answer to my problem is another bedroom. Mm-hmm. And when I finally got that bedroom, you know, I'm in my 40s now, and we just got it a couple of years ago. And I'm like, oh, hmm. Yeah, that doesn't make me happy after all. <laughs> yeah. Right? And it Yeah. I think you get to that point where you achieve a lot of those things that you wanted and you realize that if you haven't done like the inner work, it's actually not making you happy. Mhm. Yeah, that's important. So then with that, where are you in that process and what are your publishing goals with it in the next few years? Um, Yeah, I mean, I really want to get this book out. And so that's my publishing goal. My immediate goal would probably be to get this first draft done, you know, in the next six months. Um, Yeah, but but definitely now I'm like, my goal is self-publishing so that I can focus on like engaging with readers and building up relationships and, and not go into it with that you know, dependence on like, I just need a publisher to pick me, discover me, at, you mm-hmm. know, at the mall, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you recently started your podcast. So that's These Mums Right. So can you tell us how that all got started and, and what listeners can expect to hear on that? Yeah, I think like, so I started writing this 
when I started, when I realized like, oh, I do have something to say. And actually I kind of really like it. And I feel like other moms would appreciate this and it will hopefully make them, you know, laugh a little and I want to get it out there. And I had this like terror moment that like, oh my God, but what if I spent all this time again on it and then no one reads it? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, you know what, I got to do better this time. So what's the best way? You know, I'm, I like talking to people and that's how I learn things. I typically don't do much research. I just ask people. Well. And so it seemed natural, like, well, why don't I do like talk to other moms, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, if you join any Facebook group, then you will see like all these amazing stories and actually can be kind of intimidating to hear, oh, like success. I got all these arc readers. I got uh, 20,000 TikTok followers. I got, and I was like, I'm, I don't know how they're doing that stuff, but I need to learn from them. So I love this idea of the podcast because I, I'm sitting down with those people and we're, we're figuring, we're, we're learning. And so, yeah. um, right. I'm like, well, how did you do that? Because just seeing the accomplishments, I think for a lot of moms can be really intimidating and actually mm-hmm. can make you feel like, sure, when you're feeling your best self, you can like cheer with them. But oftentimes, if you're not feeling at your best self, you can just be like, oh, my God, I'm never going to be able to do that. So mm-hmm. why do I even bother? So it's been so lovely to talk to these moms and to break down their successes into steps and 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 just to see, like, hear them like you are you're actually regular people too with Mm -hmm. all the struggles and all the crazy messes but you just took you just did this one thing and then in this this one thing led to this one thing Mm -hmm. and you know I think marketing is huge you know for me was like the 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 rock the real the rock that stopped me and what I'm learning through these conversations really is there's no one path to marketing but there is lots of different ways you can do it. And it all really does start with like one little step. And so hearing how they're approaching those things, I find very like enlightening for myself. And so I'm, I'm hoping that other moms do too, because when you can talk to the person and hear their story, it suddenly makes so much more sense. You can relate to them and then you can see yourself in them so that it becomes like us connecting mm-hmm. and supporting each other versus feeling intimidated. And I know moms like are never trying to compete with one another, but you right. can, but it's it's so hard not to feel inferior when someone is, is sharing their success. So that's really the goal is to like, let's, let's hear these successes and let's like break it down so we can see like, yeah, okay, you could do that too. Yeah. And it's actually with doing, you know, the topic that you're writing about and wanting to, you were saying that you don't really do a whole lot of research, but that in itself is research, right? Connecting and hearing all of these other stories and being able to relate to other moms. And are all the other moms writers as well? Or some of them aren't writers or how does that work? Um, Yeah. So far, some of them, like there's been a couple, well, one book coach that wasn't a mom, but Everyone is a writer yeah. and a mom, but it, it doesn't need to be that. If, if they have something to um, teach writing moms, then that is, you know, of course I would welcome on the show, but yeah. I, I just think like there's such a special challenge that moms face yeah. and that I, you know, that the balancing that is so hard and so exhausting. Um, if you don't have kids, then 
of course you have your own challenges, but I think like I celebrating and recognizing the unique challenges that moms face is, is that's really important to me because as you know, when I was in that space, trying to write that manuscript, like I just really felt alone. And that's something that I don't want other moms to feel is that, right. We see the challenges you face and we're there with you and it's okay. You don't have to feel guilty. I think that's a big thing. Shame, mom yeah. guilt. I was trying at some point. I, I have five kids, so it's chaotic. <laughs> so crazy. I can't believe all the things you do with five kids. I'm so impressed. Well, it's a little bit different of a situation now, but um, when when the littlest ones were very, very little, like I could remember sitting at my computer and I'd be like breastfeeding with this arm and I'd be typing with this hand and just, you know, and this one's running over here. And, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm just trying to right like the same thing like I have something that I want to say and it it can be whatever kind of story but you just feel this need to tell it right but you you have all these other responsibilities and it's hard like when you're home and your partner is out earning all the you know earning all the money and and supporting financially you you are there doing all of that stuff And then you still have to find time for something that's important to you. And most times, you know, and in those stages of toddler, you know, and babies and all of that, it gets shoved to the side. And Mm -hmm. so then if you do take a little bit of time, there is definitely that mom guilt there. And that's, I think probably most, if not all of us experience that, but you know, and I set it aside for a long time because I just, you know, I kind of gave up on it. I just, I couldn't. I couldn't do it all the time. I couldn't devote the, the consistent time to it. So I kind of shoved it aside. And I, mm-hmm. I think many, many people do that too. But if it's in you, that you're going to get to that point where you're like, no, I need to make this a priority, right? So, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, we can all relate to that and, and learn from it as well and support each other with that too. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's really um, what it's about. Yeah. So if somebody wants to be a guest on your podcast, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, they could just DM me on Instagram. I think that would be yeah the easiest uh, or, you know, Facebook too. My yeah. handle there is my name, Jackie Amston. Yeah. Awesome. I'll make sure I put those on the, the blog portion as well. And then to go along with the theme of your podcast, how do you find the time to write being a mom? How, what's <laughs> your process that you approach for that? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I used to try to write at night and I think that actually made it worse. And I read this article about Stephanie Seymour um, writing at night and I was I was like, she has like a million kids. I can do that. But I was not able to do that. And I think that actually like when you try things that you're not successful at, it actually compounds the writing guilt because then I was like, okay, forget it. And I would just feel guilty and it would add more um, blockage to me. And then recently, I don't know why it took me this long, but I was like, what if I do it in the morning? Yeah. And I, I don't know why that never occurred to me, but I think I saw it maybe on Twitter, you know, the 5am writers club. And yeah, so I started doing that. And that's my, you know, my secret sauce is I can get up early. In fact, I think I was talking to Jen Mann last week and she gets, she said she used to get up at 3.30. Oh my goodness. That's too early for me. <laughs> I know. I was like, is that possible? <laughs> I don't know. 
know. My husband's like, nah, I don't think so. Um, you know, it has repercussions. I'm always laughing. Like, I'm like, what kind of crazy person I am, but I need to eat lunch at 10 a.m. I'm like, oh, yeah, because I got up at 5 a.m. So, yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. Maybe not 3.30. But um, I think that you can find time. And mm-hmm. um, I I think that's the part of the problem is that narrative. Like, there's no time. There's no time. But, like, the moms I talk to... They also find time just writing in, in really short intervals, you know, 10 minutes. And I'll take notes. I, I I haven't gotten yet into like writing for 10 minute intervals on a regular basis. But, you know, getting up at 5 a.m., that's been working for me right now. Mm-hmm. And I think once you find one thing that works, then you can start to find other things. But it's getting yeah. over like that, that feeling of failure. And uh, that I think is is like the way to start, right? Just find one thing that works. And some people it is at nighttime. Yeah. And writing for those 10 minutes or or 15 minutes or 20 minutes, I, I started doing that in the fall, um, kind of participating in writing sprints. And I found Mm. that hyper-focus really Mm. helps to get the words out. Even, Mm. even if you're feeling a little stuck about where you are or, or whatever, you've only got 10 minutes here or 20 minutes there. I found that it really, like I said, I hyper-focus, I shut everything else off. I don't mm. look at anything else except for my, my keyboard and my screen. And I just go and I, I really like the process, whether it's, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning or 10 o'clock at night or whatever. It's just, yeah, I really like that process. Definitely try it. <laughs> I will try it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I see you post often on Instagram and sometimes on Twitter, and you also have a Facebook account for your podcast. Um, And then with so many different platforms out there, people have their personal preferences. What drew you to your favorite? What what are your favorite platforms and what do you like about those? What drew you to them? Yeah. So when I I started the podcast and I was, I took a course, a podcasting course um, with um, Kathy Heller, who has a podcast, uh, Don't Keep Your Day Job. And uh, because, you know, part of the reason I, I started this all again was because I got to that place. I had the townhouse. I had the job that I thought I was wanted. And I was like, oh, it feels sad still, like mm. not still, but like I don't feel fulfilled. fulfilled. Yeah. Right. And so her podcast is really about that, like purpose. And, you know, you can see it reflected in my, my novel topic is finding purpose. And mm-hmm. um, that comes out in my podcast a lot, too, because I feel like that's really what we're doing here as our you know, our life's work. And um, so it was nice because she really gave guidance on that. And I think that was really helpful because there, again, I didn't, I wasn't posting on Instagram regularly before I, I took that course and before I started taking other courses, because there's a lot out there. And I think, you know, you need to find the person like uh, Jenna Kucher is another person I started following and taking some of her stuff, like find that person that you resonate with um, mm-hmm. and then learn from them. Because though listen, learning from Kathy Heller and Jenny, Jenna Kucher, like really shifted my perspective on Instagram to start because they gave me um, like here, here, use this strategy and and this is what you're trying to achieve. And like and DM five people and, you know, and these are things I never did. And, you know, I work in communications, like that's my day job, but I would have never DM someone. I felt like it was like really personal, but taking in courses gave me that permission and gave me 
a different way, like a more strategic way of thinking about like Instagram for starters. And I, again, I've had an account on Instagram since like 2010, but I just, I never really knew how to use it. And so now I'm like, no, this is my way of interacting with people. These are the five things that I'm going to talk about. And, um, oh, these are the different ways that the different um, features work. And so this one is good for this. And just seeing it really as not about me just showing pictures, but really about me connecting with people. And I didn't think about it that way before. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and, and I'm just starting to shift my perspective about Facebook in that way too. You know, again, you know, we've all used these tools for a long time, you know, yeah. but again, and now I'm shifting my perspective about Facebook is again, it's not just my friends that I want to be connecting. And I think a lot of people see it that way. Um, like yeah. I only want to friend people I know. I'm like, no, no, this is another way to build relationships with people that could be, you know, part of your readership or your clients. Like, it doesn't even have to just be about your writing your book, right? It's, it's, we can create anything that we want in, in our business. And I think if you start thinking about yourself as building a business, that's for me, then um, all of these platforms are different ways to actually like build relationships with people. And so again, now I'm just starting to shift my thinking around Facebook by taking, you know, more coaching and more training. Mm -hmm. And I think, right. And, and seeing, how these these platforms can actually be used beyond yeah. just right like posting pictures of you know fun pictures and that's that's good too but like just really being more strategic about it yeah i find twitter is really good for being in the writing community and connecting so mm -hmm. much with other writers right but i think like and i i could be wrong because when i get to this point it could be totally different but i i feel like something like Instagram might be better, you know, after I have my debut out there and, and, you know, Twitter is going to be great too, but I just find that my writing community of other writers and my peers, a lot mm -hmm. of them are on Twitter. And mm -hmm. I feel like there might be a different platform when you're at a different stage, like you're still going to be involved, obviously in the writing community. Right. But, you know, once you have your book and you want to promote your book and, and do all that stuff, I, I don't know. I, I, again, it could be totally different once I'm at that stage, but, you know, different platforms for different reasons or different aspects of your business. Mm -hmm. Facebook. And it's, it's hard too, because I hear a lot that you should pick the one that resonates with you and stick with that. And don't worry about the other ones. And I still have this mindset where, no, I've got to have a little bit of me here and a little bit of me here. Yeah, <laughs> so, totally. Yeah. So I have a Facebook account for my author stuff and, and podcast and all that, but it's, I, I'm not there very often, but I have it connected to Instagram so that anytime I post on Instagram, it automatically feeds it to Facebook. And that way I can still have a presence there, but I don't have to put as much time into, you know, cause it's hard to divvy up all your time to all these different it's platforms, hard. right? It's hard. So, yeah. But the one thing I've, I have heard from my mentor, so I'll give you this advice that she's mm -hmm. given us um, is that if you put the same content on each platform, then why is someone following you on both platforms? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So try to think about like what's in it for them, but it's a lot of work. And I think that's why it's good to like focus on the thing that resonates for you and start there. And what I have found is again, like I, 
I wasn't doing any of this. Like just, it's all happened really in the last six months since I, mm-hmm. I took this, this course. And I, I have been building up like the stamina yeah. and I'm not saying it's without like, uh, without challenges for sure. Like there's definitely, my husband's like, you are always on your phone right now <laughs> yeah. and it's driving me crazy. And so like, we've had to negotiate that. Right. And we're still negotiating that. And I think that's just, again, one of those challenges that come with mumming and being a, a, a wife and all of that. And, you know, we have to work through it with all of our things, but, um, but I am surprised nonetheless that like, Oh, I'm like, Oh, I can actually do more of this than I thought was possible. So that would be what I would like suggest to listeners who are like, I don't have time to be on Instagram. I'm like, or do you like, why don't you just give it a shot? Like try yeah. for one week to, to post one thing a day and to make it about your audience. And so like always, again, always include a question, like what is it whenever you're posting, you know, you want to have them actually engage with it. Mm-hmm. So what are you asking them or what are you, you know, what's the call to action there? So, so, but I do think it is hard for sure. I don't think there's, and I still don't know, like, half the time if if the things I'm doing matter right and that's the hardest part like when you're working on your manuscript like there's intrinsic satisfaction mm-hmm. in it right like and so I know that the time I spend writing is worthwhile but it is hard with marketing with like spending time on social media because you're like is this does this matter like sometimes it's fun but it takes a lot of time yeah um, it's, it's hard to measure it's not really measurable when you're just getting into it right so you don't know you don't know if it's you don't know it's scary right yeah it's scary and I I, when I see moms writers you know they talk a lot about marketing being scary I think that's what it comes down to or or overwhelming it's like it's a risk right we're putting ourselves out there we're trying something new we might suck at it and we don't know if if it's gonna even have any value Mm -hmm. Um, and there's no real answer to it it's just again like what I hear talking to moms is just learn like there's so much uh, material out there find someone that resonates with you it might be free but you know what I've spent a lot of money with uh on people to teach me things that I know that content is out there and I could probably get it for free but I really like these people yeah you know I there's some aspect of their energy that really lights me up and and so I learn from them and for me, that's worked because, you know, I have a day job too. And so I don't have a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And so like, I guess, again, finding ways to break it down so that it works for you and, and um, giving yourself permission to invest in yourself is it, I think a big part of that because um, like, I definitely, if I had just Googled how to start a podcast, I would not have a podcast right now. Cause I'd, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd probably yeah. still be working through the material and like, listening to the naysayers I think that's a huge part of it is like even my husband was like you're gonna start a podcast like Mm -hmm. it's kind of like kind of old school isn't it like that market (laughs) is pretty saturated like why are you wasting your time but you have to surround yourself with the people that are giving you the positive messages and like the energy that you need because um I think that's for me more important than any specific content point is like finding that community those mentors that are um, really fueling you and lighting you up. And Mm -hmm. I think that was also part of why I stopped writing after I sent out my, you know, when I did my, my self-published book is because then I just was hearing all these messages 
like you need a newsletter and uh, you need to have like 20 titles in your backlist before you start making any money. And I was like, oh my God, it took me yeah. like 10 years to write this novel like <laughs> during nap times, right? Like what's even the point? I'm never going to make any money in this. So um, I stopped and, um, but now that I, you know, I found the community where the, the messaging is like, is what I needed to hear. So you can do this and it's not a clear path, but we can all do this. And so mm-hmm. I feel like more than anything, finding that voice, those positive supports mm-hmm. has been what's helped me. Cause there's a lot of, you know, doomsday in the, when you are in the publishing industry. Yeah. I feel like coming back into it after, you know, when you find your people and you find the messages that really resonate with you and coming back to it, I feel like a lot of mums do eventually find that. And for me, like it, it took, it took that setting it aside and prioritizing Mm. other things. And, you know, it took all of that to realize this is, you know, whatever the path looked like, you can still get there if you want to. And it it sometimes takes, you know, 20 years before you realize what you need to do and, and that it's okay to follow that passion because if you're passionate about it, you're going to put everything into it. Right. And if you can eventually get to that point where you feel like, yes, I have the support I need. I can, I can do this. I can learn. I'm learning things. I'm feeling good about it. I think that, you know, that kind of plays into the perseverance. And when you persevere, you're going to, you're going to reach your goals. Right. And and the more that you can learn about it and feel confident about it. And the more that you can surround yourself with others that you can relate to and who relate to you, that all, that all piles into it. Yeah. That's the secret sauce right there. Yeah. So I guess my final question for you would be, what would be your top tips for parents who are or for moms who are having the worst day ever and they just want to write or they need to write. Sometimes there's deadlines. Sometimes it's a self-imposed deadline, but you know, like we all have those days where our kids are just running around like nuts and, and this chaotic thing is happening and that chaotic thing is happening. And you just want to scream, Yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you also had this need to get some words down and, yeah. and not give up on your passion. What, what would be your tips for that? Yeah, we need a word for that. Um, yeah. that for that condition where you haven't written for a while and you just like, it's like, I describe it as like hangry, but for writing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have to think of something. <laughs> we need, we need something. Um, usually, you know, I will be the first to admit that I have often lost my temper in those situations, which is definitely not the way to go. I think many um, of us do though. <laughs> yeah. My husband said since I started meditating, that is I that's helped. So that's a good long-term okay. strategy. Is um this, I just do now 10 minutes of meditation in the morning with a headspace app. It does help me get a little bit more distance from those emotions. You know, they talk about the metaphor of like looking at the tiger through glass. Because mm-hmm. we know that over the long term, that those words don't really matter in that exact moment, right? If you can help yourself by not exploding and and seeing that perspective, that is wonderful. Uh, So meditation does help you have some distance from that. Um, But 
you know, to actually satisfy that itch, you know, again, for me, it's, it's telling myself, I'm going to get up like super early the next morning and get those words in. And, um, my wake up time has been creeping up. I, I get up at 5am, but I'm like, or is it 510 or is it 515? <laughs> but you know, as long as I get up and I show up and sometimes it's not as early as I possibly could, but I still at least get in a little bit. That for me is what um, sustains me. Mm-hmm. And so I think just reminding yourself, like there, it is possible to find the time and you know, even if you don't have like the luxury of nap time anymore. I remember when my, you know, when I just had one and, you know, that was always something you could look forward to. But even if you don't have nap time, there, there is ways to fit it in. It's just, um, you have to find them. Yeah. Carve them out. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I like that tip about meditating. You know, that's something that I, I've never, I want to say I've never been able to figure out and master, but it's also because I haven't put enough effort into it. And I hear a lot of people talk about how wonderful and, and life-changing it can be. So that app was Headspace, you said? Yeah, Headspace. That's the yeah. one I have been using. Someone at my work uses Calm. I think oh, Calm yeah. might be free. Yeah. Headspace has a subscription. But okay. um, I also use it like to get myself to sleep. So I'm, I, I use it all the time. So I'm a big proponent of that one. And it has guided meditation, which I find helpful because again, yeah, I'm just learning how to meditate, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's, I'm not a hundred percent successful. I would probably say I'm able to like quiet my mind for like 20% of the time. It's just constantly scattering. I think that's like definitely a mom feature, right? We carry yeah. like the emotional burden of our families, right? Yeah. Doctor's appointment. Oh, payment on that. And I think that is, you know, Sure, maybe we're all we're in an age now where both men and women are working, but you know, statistics still shows that women carry that emotional burden of managing the household, all of those things, the the lunch, hot lunch payments, all of that stuff yeah. still falls primarily on women. And I think again, that's why our minds are especially cluttered. And so I would really encourage women to moms to um to try to integrate some some meditation into their life because it really it does make you aware even mm-hmm. at the very least of like yeah how much is going on yeah out there like there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot yeah. yeah yeah we do a lot we do awesome well was there anything that you wanted to talk about that we didn't go over no, that's great. You know, and I thank you. Um, you know, when I read the question about the social media, I was like, hmm, what is my strategy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and I think I'm still figuring it out. Uh, but, um, but, but, but saying it out loud, it, it was, it is really profound because you, you do realize like, oh, I'm like, wow, I, I've actually learned a lot um, and from, you know, within the last six months. And I mm-hmm. think, again, like this stuff, one gift of the pandemic has been realizing like that learning is so accessible. It's so convenient and it, it, it is real learning. You know, again, I come from a background of workshops and I always thought until the pandemic that learning happens face to face, but you know, there's been an explosion in the online space mm-hmm. um, where it's not, where we're not talking about YouTube videos. We're talking about experiences, learning from humans where you have a relationship with them 
And I feel like that is where like the real transformational learning happens. And so when I had to stop and think about your questions, it, was like, it did make me realize like, wow, like I've been learning a lot and I'm, and I'm applying it. And it, it's all happened through, you know, Zoom yeah. situations just like this. Yeah. A year and ago, podcasts. I was terrified of Zoom. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. I'm like, no, I don't want to be on camera. But it's it's the way to go. I've slowly gotten used to it. And now, like a year ago, if I would have said, you're going to start a podcast, I'd be like, no way. <laughs> but it's been great. It's been, it's not as scary as as what you might think. And you do build those relationships better with people when you can have face-to-face time, mm-hmm. right? It's we're not standing next to each other, but it's, it's almost the same thing. And you can still establish those relationships and, and learn from each other just as easily, if not more so, because now we can connect or, you know, the ability Mm. was there before, but now, like you said, it's exploded because of the pandemic. So that's, you know, a silver lining of all the chaos that's happened because of it. Totally. And it's a good example, right? That there is, it is possible in the chaos, like, Mm -hmm. Good things come out of the chaos. Yes. Yeah. You just got to look for them. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it too. And I can't wait for part two when I interview you. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So that's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned from it. If you're a mom writer or a dad writer, a parent writer, and you're looking for that sense of community, reach out. There's so many others out there who are in the community who can lift you up, who can support and encourage you. And that's so important. As I've said so many times on the podcast, look for the writing community on Twitter, hashtag writing community. Look for the same hashtag on Instagram Jump into conversations with other writers. Look for other parent writers. Look for other writers in your genre. Most writers aren't going to bite. We're very warm and welcoming and encouraging and supportive. And that's what I love about social media. It's a social media aspect that I never really considered before. I didn't know it existed. And I'm really glad that I took that step and moved from personal social media to business social media, just like Jackie was saying. Treating it like a business, and it's something that all writers can and should do because having that sense of community around you as you're establishing your writing career is so great, so important. So check out Jackie's Instagram and Facebook at Jackie Amsden. I'm badass underscore writers on Instagram. On Twitter, it's underscore badass writers and also kfox underscore writes. Fox has two X's and all of our contact information will be in the show notes as well. Thanks again for listening. I hope you tune in on Friday where I have another Ask Agent bonus episode coming up with PS Literary Agent Claire Harris. Cannot wait for that. I know... You've all been waiting for that as well. So thank you for sending in your questions. So that's coming up this Friday, April 22nd. And as always, keep being badass.